a big thing that we want to address is Vladdy's mental stability. Is he not rational? Welcome back to the Shake Podcast. I'm your host who's just here alone. No co-host today. No. Derek Van Shake. And we have a lot to talk about with Ukraine and uh, some other things that are interesting. We are going to be looking at some body language here. Uh, we typically don't do a whole breakdown in these podcasts, but we may just briefly talk about some body language. And I have some clips I want to be talking about specifically with uh, Pooty. Yeah, Pooty Putin. So it does appear that we are getting slightly shadow banned, at least just throttled on some of these videos that we're making here on anything that have to do with the invasion of Ukraine. So there is that issue, which is why I'm not making full-blown videos on my main channel. I don't want to waste the time making full-blown videos if they're just going to be shadow banned, which can actually work against me because if YouTube sees that you have a whole bunch of shadow banned videos, they're going to see the whole channel as a possibility to shadow ban the whole channel. So <laughs> we don't want to go there, especially now when everyone's just talking about Ukraine. Might as well just talk about it on the podcast. And I think I'm going to be actually making another video on my news channel. Yes, my news channel. That's right. That's right. I have a news channel. Not news about me. It's news about some things that are criminology related, criminal justice related, crimes, war crimes possibly that we're seeing here. I'll probably make a video there. And what I want to talk about there is something to do with the map and how Pooty Putin plans on possibly conquering the world. So possibly expect that video on my news channel. So here's a big thing that I didn't mention in my last podcast. No one's ever going to be giving up their nukes again after they've seen this. After what's going on with Ukraine. They're not. They are not going to be giving up their nukes. Why would you? Why would you give up your nukes if you know that this is what happens? And for those who don't know, Ukraine actually had nuclear weapons. And it was from the time when they were part of the Soviet Republic. They had nuclear weapons. And in 1994, Bill Clinton goes over to Ukraine and tries to convince them and does apparently convince them in 1994 to disarm their nukes, saying that, oh, well, you disarm your nukes and you will be protected by the United States. Don't worry. You're OK. You can disarm. Nothing will ever happen to you. Just disarm your nukes. And now look what happens to them. Yeah. All these other countries like Iran, North Korea. Yeah. Good luck trying to get their nukes away from them. They're like, no, that's like what's saving me from being annihilated by some country like Russia. It's a major protection for whoever has control over the country so that they don't get overthrown or taken over by a bigger country like we're seeing here with Russia. Another big thing that we want to mention is that now all of a sudden everyone wants to join NATO. Everyone does now. Finland is like, yeah, all of what we said about being neutral and we, you know, we don't need. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually oh, we want to join NATO, please. No kidding, because you find out, like, oh, shoot, is this what happens to you if you don't join NATO? <laughs> because essentially, you know, countries like Finland and other countries we can mention, too, in Europe, they're like, oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. If Ukraine was in NATO and they're not in NATO, chances are 99% sure that this would never have happened. <laughs> and it's true. 
It's true. I think Ukraine always wanted to be in NATO, but there are certain qualifications you have to meet with anti-corruption. And Ukraine has been dealing with a lot of corruption, too. You know, they don't have a squeaky clean record. They're trying to become less corrupt, I believe. But, you know, they were dealing with a little bit of corruption, which is one of the reasons why they were unable to join NATO right away. Or last year, two years ago, they couldn't join. They wouldn't be allowed in because they didn't meet the qualifications. As we said in my last podcast, yeah, I think, and I think a lot of you also think that Ukraine has a really good chance of winning this. And here's our thing that Ukraine is doing, specifically with their military tactics, that's causing them to win. I don't know if you've heard, but what they're doing is kind of ingenious in fighting the war. They're not going after the front line of tanks and armored personnel carriers or anything like that that come into their country. They allow them to come in. If you notice, kind of in the early days, they were allowing all the tanks come to come into some of the cities and the tanks were rolling around. They're like, oh, look, tanks are around. Oh, I guess they took Ukraine. No, that was only half of it because their plan was is to allow all of the Russian troops and personnel carriers and all the armor uh, vehicles and tanks to come in. And then they knew that right behind the tanks, was all the supply line. So what they did is they attacked the supply line behind the tanks so that the supply line wouldn't be able to feed the tanks with gasoline or diesel fuel, as you're seeing. A lot of Russian tanks are stranded on the side of the road and they're asking locals for fuel. The Ukraine army and militia started to attack the supply line that wasn't very armored, that wasn't very armed, behind all the armored personnel. So it's a lot easier just to cut off the, the snake at the head, and then the snake is nothing without the body. It's like, hey, yeah, you have your fangs and, you know, all the potential to bite, but, hey, I cut off your, <laughs> your head. You're nothing without your body. It's really ingenious because... Those tanks are nothing without fuel. Those tanks are nothing without maintenance. Those tanks are nothing without personnel. It's really ingenious. Just like, okay, don't worry about the tanks. Those tanks are going to run out of ammunition after the first 10 rounds that they fire. Just focus on attacking the less armored supply line behind the tanks. It's really smart. So that's one of the big reasons why they're winning. And also, they're blowing up their own bridges to prevent all of the tanks and armored personnel carriers from coming into the city and taking over the city. And it's also becoming more of spring and the ground is thawing. So tanks are getting stuck in the mud if they try to go off road and try to you know, circumvent any of the roads that are blown up or anything like that. And then they're, of course, cutting down signs and throwing away signs. The Russians have no idea where they are. Because I'm sure Google Maps isn't exactly working in Ukraine right now. And Vladi suggested nuclear war uh, a few days after I put out my last podcast. And conveniently, he mentioned it right when reports were coming out that Ukraine isn't falling nearly as quickly as the Russians had wanted. And the Ukrainian president is still around. He's still walking around, breathing, posting on social media, doing media interviews. And Putin mentions nuclear war, or at least gives the suggestion of it. Of course, anytime a leader of a country saber rattles nuclear war and says like, oh, be careful, oh, we're getting our nuclear weapons ready, and suggests anything like that, it's obvious why. It's frankly because they're losing. I mean, let's be real. Russia is losing this war um, in their eyes. 
as much as Vladdy wants to say that, no, 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 we're, we're going to win. We're going to win. Well, maybe they will in the long run. Maybe they'll eventually take over Kiev. But right now, they are losing the war. They are losing the war. And, yeah, I mean, they have nuclear weapons, so maybe they can easily press a button and then have all of Kiev and the whole country, for that matter, leveled. But what good is it if it's just nuclear wasteland, right? That's not how you judge a victory in war. You know, that's more of like last resort, insane person just hits the button. That's what they are for, really. And deterrence. That's it. So when someone's saying, well, we can use nuclear weapons, blah, 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 even tactical nuclear weapons that are more specific and aren't very big or, you know, they're just in specific spots, everyone knows you're only going to be resorting to nuclear weapons if you're actually in need to use them and you have to use them uh, to win the war. So right now, what that tells you is that from their perspective, they are not uh, achieving what they want as quickly as they expected at all. And, you know, if you look at kind of what they're doing and how the how the Russians are fighting and. Ah, man, um, I mean, let's be real, like. It's really bad. And for what I'm hearing and also what I'm noticing. Yeah, is it? kind of surprising that Russia no come on I, th I thought you were a little better than this <laughs> obviously I think they could do more of a leveling campaign but is that what you really want you want a leveled blank sheet of paper of of the city of Kiev and some of these other very beautiful cities no they want to maintain some of the infrastructure <laughs> you don't want to just level the whole thing it's really hard to defeat someone who has that massive home field advantage. It's so difficult in war because they know their country. They know exactly where to go, and they have all of the uh, capabilities and everything that they need, and they are shipping some things in, but everything that they need is all there, and they're working within what they know and what they have as opposed to requiring a whole bunch of supply chain to come in and hopefully it doesn't get taken out by Ukrainians along the way, it's really hard to fight this type of war. It's so hard. And again, this is not a leveling campaign where it's just like, hey, just we just want to level the whole country. Yes, Russia can do that, 100%. Of course they can. That's not hard. But what's hard is doing the small unit campaigns and bringing a whole bunch of troops in, the whole infrastructure, the whole supply chain, setting up everything, and then along the way, fight as well as set up and supply your troops with what they need. You know, there's a saying in the military that pertains perfectly right here. It's amateurs focus on military tactics, veterans focus on supply chain. That's what really wins wars, is getting the troops what they need to fight. Yes, you have to know some tactics. This doesn't mean tactics aren't important. But, man, like you really have to know how to get all of the supplies to your troops and make sure those supplies are secure so that they can get them and use them and operate that whole network for what they need so that their troops can have what they need to fight the war. Because the guys that are shooting the guns and loading and shooting the cannons won't be shooting the guns and loading and shooting the cannons 
if they don't have anything to load the guns and shoot the cannons with. And also if they are dying of starvation and dehydrating because they don't have any water. So, um, <laughs> and think about it too. Where are these guys sleeping? Where are they sleeping? And they need to sleep in a way that's going to get them rejuvenated and rested. They can't just sleep in their tank. That's not sleeping. And even if, oh, well, just sleep in your tank for a half hour. Kind of, <laughs> that's not a long-term sustainable plan. <laughs> that's a terrible way of operating a war. It's like, oh, well, just, you know, pull out your sleeping bag and sleep on along on the road there. On the road? How much good sleep are they going to actually get? Sleep that's required to fight. This is not just beauty rest. Sleep that's going to let them rejuvenate and allow them to fight their hardest, you know? <laughs> if it's just a day-long battle, yeah, people can just like, ah, whatever, you know, just rotate a little bit. But if you're operating a, a you know, large-scale war of multiple, you know, days and many weeks, these guys have to sleep. These guys have to eat. They can't just eat when they're shooting their, I mean, <laughs> you know, they have to eat. You need to set up a mess hall so troops can eat. And you have a whole system of troops that go in and out, you know. Okay, okay, the tanks stop. Okay, new uh, rested personnel come in and okay those guys go out and sleep and eat and rest and then they'll come back in another you know 12 hours and then continue the fight it has to be systematic it's not systematic it doesn't seem because there is no system i see at all that russia is showing it needs to be a system how do they expect to do any of this <laughs> it's really horrendous and to top it all off if you look at russia's equipment all their tanks all their trucks. Literally, look at it. It looks like it's from World War II. I think a lot of them are. I am not kidding. I swear I am not kidding. I think a lot of their tanks, I think a lot of their armored personnel carriers, I think a lot of their trucks that bring in all of the infrastructure or are supposed to do that, that aren't really getting to the troops, um, and all the equipment, is from World War II. Think about it. World War II. Look at the trucks. They are from World War II. Unbelievable that this is the Russian army that Putin has been bragging about all these years. <laughs> I have no doubt that he has nuclear weapons that he can level anything. That's the easy part. But this is his military? Come on, show yourself. Show what you got. The whole world's watching. And yeah, I think it's a massive embarrassment. And the big thing is, though, is that Pudi, I don't think he's the type of guy that's going to be running back to Russia with his tail between his legs, so to speak. No, 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 no. Pudi is the type of guy that doubles down, kind of like what we're seeing. Whoa, well, this is not working. Then we'll bring more troops in. They are. And, yeah, it's a little bit more. But, I mean, gosh. I mean, really, is that all you got? <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Is that all you got? I mean, this is supposed to be, according to Putin, right? Like, he's supposed to be like a top three power, a top three military power. You know, United States, China, and Russia. Top three. Is this all he's got? <laughs> is this all he's got? And, yeah, I don't think he's watching this podcast or listening to this podcast, so I, I think we're okay. But, you know, 
I mean, come on. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing that, yeah, they're making some headway. And now, okay, you know, maybe if you look at the maps, okay, maybe they're taking a little bit more of the south than maybe some of the north, maybe a little bit more, I think. But they're not really doing that much. Very embarrassing for Mother Russia. Okay, this is quite embarrassing. The whole world is watching booty. <laughs> it's absolutely uh, embarrassing, I think, for him. He should be embarrassed. He should be massively embarrassed. This just goes to show you just, one, how strong Ukraine is, and two, just how stupid Russia is. <laughs> A big thing that we want to address is Vladdy's mental stability. It's a big topic in conversation in the mainstream media. Everyone's talking about that. Hey, is Vladdy just not mentally there? Is he just not thinking right? Is he not sane? Is he not rational? That's kind of a big question. Vladdy is not the type of guy that's going to just quit and just be like, oh, that was a bad idea. And then, oh, man, I'm going to have to, <laughs> you know, run back home to Russia with a tail between my legs, and then Ukraine is going to be NATO, and he's going to be perceived as a massive, massive loser on the international stage. Vladdy's not going to let that happen. And like I said, he's going to double down. Now, if you haven't seen, there was a little clip of Vladdy having a little bit of a confrontation with his intelligence officer, like basically his senior spy, about whether or not it's okay to go into Ukraine. And his intelligence officer is scared shitless, guys. If you haven't seen it, you have to watch the clip. You know, his intelligence officer clearly disagreed with him. And he was just kind of like beating around the bush and just saying, well, I, I'm for this. I'm for, you know, annexing the Donbass region. I'm for that. And Vladdy's like, no, I didn't ask you that. Tell me, to, tell me straight. And then the guy's stuttering and... Saying, oh, well, I, I, well, I, I don't know. I, Vladdy gets mad at him and says, oh, you have to tell me straight. Do you agree or not agree? And then finally he's like, oh, my gosh, I see where this is going. I, I agree. I agree. It's fine. What we see there is basically how Vladdy runs things. That is a little bit of a peek into how Vladdy operates his government. Is everyone scared shitless to disagree with him? It was scared. They don't want to actually say, hey, I, this is what I really think. So what that says is that, you know, even someone who's his intelligence chief is scared shitless to even say anything to him as we would all expect that everyone's afraid to say anything to him because it's scary of what he may do to that person if you disagree with Vladdy. Would you disagree with Vladdy? I wouldn't. I wouldn't want it. I would just be like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows it's not going to go anywhere. He knows. He's been around probably long enough. It's like, you know, me saying anything uh, against this is only going to make matters worse. And... Yeah, we kind of see that. And in Vladdy's mind, he's surely thinking that this spy chief is making a fool out of him, that there's someone who would disagree with Vladimir Putin. The same Vladimir Putin that scores eight hockey goals in a single game. And then Vladdy is also nervous because he feels like he's being made a fool out of in front of everybody. This is on camera, and he wants to 
show strength to everybody in the entire world and how strong and how aligned he is with his all of his smart people and all of his top chiefs. Vladdy gives off a whole bunch of nervous smiles and adjustments in his seat because he's nervous that he's being made a fool out of. And you know what? Yeah, he is. Because this guy's basically saying, hey, I think maybe this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea going into Ukraine. It's a bad idea. And Vladdy's like, hey, wait, wait, wait a second. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> this is poor guy. Yeah, and this spy chief of all people. I mean, think about it. This is the spy chief. This is not like, you know, Secretary of Interior. <laughs> you know, this is a spy chief. The, the, the guy who's probably not the most up-and-up person because he's spying on all of us right now, you know, or at least trying to, uh, and breaking the laws constantly, international laws of spying and hacking and you name it. He's a spy chief, and even this spy chief is showing some disagreement in all this. And, of course, that got a lot of attention. And then after this confrontation happened, what do you think happened? That's right, Vladdy had him go on national television across Russia to confess his love for Putin and for Putin's pin-brain, hair-pin, dick-brain plan. And then we have this picture here. Look how far Vladdy is away from his advisors. These are not, like, you know, strangers. These are his closest advisors, people that are supposed to be advising him, giving him advice, hence the root of the word, of what he should do. And it's not just COVID because Vladdy, more recently, had a meeting with a whole bunch of employees at a Russian airline. Vladdy is over there, okay? <laughs> and he's surrounded by all of these Russian airline women. And they can easily have COVID just as well as any of his advisors. What this tells us is that Vladdy just doesn't want to be close to his advisors, probably because he doesn't trust them and also is afraid of what they are going to say and wants to keep them far away. So literally, he pushes them all the way to the other side of the table because Vladdy doesn't want to be advised or doesn't want any contact with them and doesn't trust them. And that's scary because basically what this is saying is that there's one man that's operating the entire show. One man that's telling everybody what to do. If he really doesn't trust them that much, then maybe there's a reason. Maybe there's a good reason. Maybe he's afraid that one of them's going to try to take him out. One of them is going to try to take his DNA type of thing. People are talking about some of that. Um, and then maybe try to figure out you know, some of his weaknesses to then try to poison him. Okay. So it's kind of scary that his advisors are that far away. But when he's talking to strange women from a Russian airline, he's okay with just being with them in a round table. What this all basically says is that he trusts strange women more than he trusts his closest advisors. He would rather just put his head in the sand and not listen to anybody. It also tells you that maybe some people were trying to say some things advisors. Maybe some of his advisors were maybe saying some things behind closed doors. And he's like, I don't want to hear it. And tries to distance them as well. There's a lot of reasons why we see this picture here. And yet we see him around a table with some strange women that could easily have COVID as well. It's not about the COVID. The COVID is the excuse. 
it's not COVID. After Vladdy says that he's putting his nuclear weapons on high alert, his military generals have some very interesting body language. Really just that one. The one on the far right here, if you're watching, acts extremely nervous and doesn't seem to fully agree with Vladimir Putin. At the very moment that he says, yes, sir, he looks away, gives a wince and kind of a gulp, shifts in his chair in discomfort with saying, yes, sir, to Vladdy's request. And then touches his hand in what appears to be self-comfort. This general is the guy that can be turned and possibly even start a military coup against Vladimir Putin. Here's the good news. There are people in his government that don't agree with him. We can see that from this guy's body language. We can see it from that, that uh, chief spy's body language and his clear indication that he didn't agree with Vladimir Putin but just didn't know how to say it without dying. <laughs> um, yeah, there are a lot of people that don't agree with him. That's the good news about all this. So hopefully there could be some uprising within. There could be some kind of coup of some sort. There could be some internal strife that will end up resulting in a pullback of troops. And a big question that's going all over media is, is Vladimir Putin a rational actor? Is he just not mentally stable? What's going on with Vladdy? And yeah, right now, Vladdy is coming across as not a rational actor, as mentally unstable. It's because he's done something really stupid out of insecurity, ego, inferiority complex. Choose your adjective, you know? feeling like he's not very powerful, wants to prove he's powerful, feeling inadequate and, you know, trying to overcompensate for his inadequacies and his uh, inferiority complex. He's done something very stupid based on his stupid emotions that he has and caused a whole bunch of deaths and then now doesn't know how to back out of a stupid decision to not come across as stupid and weak. He doesn't want to come across as stupid and weak. So he's figuring out like, okay, well, the only way to do this is to double down in his mind. The only way to get out of this is to double down and not ever lose this. He is so overcompensating for all of his inadequacies and all of his insecurities and all of his weaknesses that he can't let himself feel weak. And anytime that he feels weak at all, he just tries to overcompensate with that by just doubling down and tries to do something strong to compensate for that because he can't let anyone show that he's ever weak because he's just that insecure. Now in the comments, what do you think of Vladimir Putin's mental state? Let everyone know in the comments below. If you're not already subscribed to the Shake Podcast, you can do that. We are everywhere you get your podcasts. You can watch the show on YouTube. You can also listen to it on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, everywhere you get your podcasts. That's where you can find Shaked. We're going to make a few more of these covering the topic. We'll probably also make a DVS news video on this, something very specific I want to talk about, specifically with the countries and where you could possibly go from here outside of Ukraine. Could he maybe go north, south? We're going to talk about that on DVS News. So if you're not already subscribed to the YouTube channel, DVS News, you may want to do that too. That's what we got for you. See you at the top.